This is this is it. This is it. Oh my god. Oh man, that is awesome. <laughs> it's quite odd, huh? That is the sound of me drinking a delicious drink, which you'll hear about in a moment on this episode of the China Arts Podcast. Today we have lighting guru and China hand, Daniel Richardson. Daniel's been in China doing all kinds of things for almost a decade, from traditional Chinese medicine to lighting to traveling all over the place and most recently getting married on pretty much the most beautiful day I've ever seen in Beijing. Lighting desk, lighting paraphernalia. This is, <laughs> this is a, and Patron. There's a nice bottle of Patron yeah. as well. Yeah, <laughs> XO Cafe. Excellent. So wait, what's in this drink again? This is a uh, part... Jolongjai. Jolongjai and... And, and um, Watson's soda water. Yeah, sparkling soda water. Sparkling. <laughs> yeah. Whatever you add sparkling to, to sparkling, anything. Yeah. <laughs> sparkling makes it sound classy. Yeah, yeah. it is yeah. sparkling. So, Daniel, mm. what, uh, can you introduce yourself briefly? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Daniel uh, Richardson. <laughs> um, uh, I'm an Australian, living in China, working in China now. Uh, I'm a lighting designer for festivals, music events mainly, so, but mainly uh, rock music and also electronic music. Uh, but I originally came to China to study Chinese medicine and that right. kind of then... Um, and horse head fiddle, which is how we met. Yeah, well, no, that was more of a, <laughs> s- a side thing. Not really, I, did, yeah. I, I think the first time I met you was in uh, Dos Colegas, perhaps. Uh, really? One of the, at least one maybe maybe the second time, but I remember we were talking about like how to hold the uh, like how to bow the horse head fiddle. I think it was like a Hong Kai oh, show. Oh right, like, okay. And yeah. uh, uh, and and you were talking about like this eagle thing, like whoever whoever you were studying with was telling you about like doing. Like, Are you sure that was like, me? I'm positive, totally. That's the horse head fiddle right there. Right? Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. It is. That that is. Um, yeah, I feel like we met before that, though, because I feel like we met at, um, it was, like, somewhere in Gulo, and it was someone's, or there was some dinner or uh, something, and... That's also possible. I guess, at that, I think I know you through Diana, probably? Yeah, 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 oh, so that was, yeah, that was a Diana dinner. No, it was a Kate dinner. Right! Farewell, Right, Kate. Kate Montgomery, right. I think... And maybe that wasn't the first time I met you, but it was, like, one of the first times I... Well, it's all kind of a bit of a blur. It was a long time ago. Yeah, now. A different life. But you were... You were Seriously, saying, a long time ago now. It's really? Like seven... Seven years. Six, seven, seven years. Seven years. Seven years? Fuck. That's a long, long time. Yeah, pretty close to seven wow. years. Yeah. Well, so you... And you were... You came here to study Chinese medicine. Yeah, and that worked out. Um, yeah, <laughs> no, it did work out because I studied Chinese medicine um, and I finished studying it. <laughs> and so, you, and it, then it, I didn't it, follow. It, <laughs> so you know about it? So yeah, I've yeah I've heard about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I um, I did Chinese medicine in Australia for uh, 
four years as undergrad. And oh, really? Yeah. Okay, okay. So it's not like, it wasn't something that was out of the blue where I was like, oh, I'm going to just like, go to China and study Chinese medicine. Screw architecture, I'm doing traditional Chinese medicine. Yeah, so, um, yeah. I mean, I never studied architecture, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> right, yes. Um, but, uh, so how does it tie with the... Well, people always want to know how does that tie in with the lighting thing. Um, and basically, it, I was... That, I would love to know that. Yeah, so basically, <laughs> when I was... 17, 18, my brother was already at uni. Okay. And he was involved with Review at the University of New South Wales. Uh, is Review that, is, is like, like a... a variety comedy sketch show um, put on by different faculties that they have in, at UNSW, University of New South Wales. They have um, a med review, a law review. Now they yeah, have okay, a, okay. a computer science review. And sure. There are these shows that uh you know the students come together to put on that are completely run and put on by students and funding is collected from faculties and and supported you know they also find uh, other support from spot like minor sponsorship and other things like that um and <laughs> and uh, yeah so my brother was doing that and uh, he invited me along a couple of times to just like have basically have fun because after every show, they have, the shows happen five nights in a row, and there's sort of about five or six weeks of rehearsals beforehand and getting ready, like building props and sets of pieces and like planning the lights and so planning they have everything. These for computer and, science? Well, it's not a class, right? It's all just kids doing it themselves. Oh, so it's completely okay. student organized. So. Um, yeah, so they have all this going on, and and um, I took a part in it pretty early on because of my brother, and uh, then I just kind of took a liking to it. Uh, he was doing uh, technical direction, and he was doing uh, some lighting design and control for it and things uh -huh. like that. And uh, at the time, I learned some stage management, and uh, eventually, after a few years, I was also doing technical directing and. I was um, also involved with the, the Theatre Society there, which is the university, the UNSW Theatre Society, which is called NUTS, <laughs> New South <laughs> Theatre Society. Um, and uh, so, yeah, for a few years, it was basically volunteer student theatre. Okay. Um, and then I, and I did all sorts of things. Except from acting. Aside from acting. Everything, everything but acting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I don't think I did costume making, but everything else. Set construction, um, yeah, lighting. Uh, I think I even did a little bit of sound. Oh, really? Uh, like, sound design, like editing sound design? Kind of uh, no, just like Love playing it at the right time yeah, and pushing yeah. the fader up on the <laughs> desk. And, yeah. And, um, and then through that, I learned how to control uh, moving lights, which was probably quite a big thing at the time because they were pretty new then. What is a, it? What does it mean? A moving light is a light that uh, is not just hung in a fixed... Well, it's hung in a fixed position, but it can... Oh. It has motors in it, so it can its head can turn like on the yoke. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So, like those ones that tango kind of is like. Yeah, that kind of thing, <laughs> um, which you used on all stages now and in theatre now, but at the time they were very rarely used in theatre, and they were pretty mm. much just in bigger live shows and stuff. So, okay, like music, live music, 
And then so I got a job at the Roundhouse at the University of New South Wales, which is a venue for rock and roll bands and okay. uni- university parties and all that kind of so thing. It's like so it's started owned by the university? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's when I started then doing lighting for music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I did that. So I did this stuff, theatre work and uh, live venue lighting work for a few years. It was my source of income while at uni. Okay. Um, was yeah. it? Did the income come from the... Like, when I was in college, I worked for... I did AV stuff, and that basically meant whenever there was a show, I was supposed to go there and help set up cables and help with yeah. whatever basic lighting. I mean, I was never done much lighting, but most of yeah, the yeah, you Yeah, video. you, like, hang the lights, you run well, the power, and yeah. you, know, you run the DMX back Does, to the... Did, did it help? Yeah. I, I don't know how... To, I actually don't know how tuition works in, in Australia, but, like, it, in, in the States, I was it was, a, it was like, a work-study thing, so... By doing that, it helped pay for my tuition. Okay. No, uh, in Australia, it's there's that does that doesn't occur. Uh, it's in Australia, we have something called um, so the fee structure for going to university <laughs> in Australia is wildly different from the US, as you can probably is guess. It, is it cheaper? It's of course heaps cheaper because uh. it's it was main it government government regulated, and uh, so we have something called HEX, which is um, Higher education uh, certificate scheme or something. Oh, okay. Anyway, so what it what it basically is is the government will pay for your study and you pay them back later. Oh. And so for my yeah, it's it's awesome. So you're not borrowing from a bank, so there's no interest. Right. Um, And you only have to pay it back once you start earning a certain amount of money. So does that Uh, mean that if you don't? (laughs) <laughs> Wait. Oh. <laughs> After you graduate, yeah. So if you, for example, let's say you move to <clears throat> an Asian country such as, say, Korea, and yeah. you taught English, and yeah. uh, maybe you did. It depends. You would, yeah. You would have to pay a bit of your hex back. When it's but there's a certain limit. You have to earn a certain amount per year to be required to start paying it back. Okay, so yeah. if, so if you take on a full time job, you're pretty much forced to start paying over. Is, is that is that threshold pretty low? Is it? Um, <laughs> I mean, like, could you? No, it's not that low. Oh, so you could if you if you worked it right, you could you could basically have like a bunch of little jobs and no, never I pay mean, off your debt. That would be, that's what I'm getting at. Basically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, yeah, but you'd never if you do that, you would never have the kind of income to like, <laughs> to live to, to well to live by any like good means. You know? Right. Yeah. You'd be, okay. you'd be it'd be a pretty simple life, or yeah. you know, a life here, <laughs> you know, ten years ago. Yeah. Because right. things are really expensive here now. I think mm-hmm. it's yeah, it's pretty much yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I well, things are pretty expensive in London where you're going, right? Yeah, things mm. will be expensive. To be honest, I don't really know how expensive it's going to be. Yeah. And I don't really know what it's going to be like at all. Because, um, as you know, it's my wife's going there to study and it's kind of been her idea. So, yeah. England was never really a big kind of dream of mine to go to. So Sure. Um, but now that I'm going, I'm really excited and it's going to be awesome. Dude, I, I, I've got really good friends who live there and do arts stuff there mm. um one of whom is at guildhall guildhall uh studying doing a master's in like cultural entrepreneurship oh okay um, right and it's interesting awesome it sounds really cool it sounds like the art scene there is just really yeah really 
cool and supported so, and, and yeah man I, i've gotten super jealous of you actually <laughs> <laughs> but uh uh who is your wife by the way um my wife is brooke right uh chinese name li mu qi mm. and uh she's a guzheng player and, like, and really teacher. Good. yeah she's yeah, yeah. she's brilliant um recently she's done a few uh cooperative pieces or you know worked together with some some bands mm-hmm. like she did a show with second hand rose right yeah and she did a, she did a little show also with um helen who oh was really into yeah helen from heart right yeah, yeah, yeah. From. so they did a they were did music for a fashion show which was part of the opening of the q hotel here the Q Hotel. Yeah, Q it's Hotel? kind of I don't know. They're I think they're a modern um, chain of hotels like, that are supposed to be like young and hip, hip okay. boutique hotels. Yeah. So so Helen and Brooke did like a, a yeah the show. So Helen had her long overheart backing tracks and um, Brooke was on the Guzheng, um playing with her and she was singing. So it was just the two of them on stage, and then. They performed for a while, and then the fashion show part happened. And, yeah, yeah. And then Helen did another two songs. It was really good. They looked good on stage. Awesome. It was cool. Yeah, I did the lighting for it as well. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bit of a family affair. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, no, it was. It's it a was package, good. you know. It's very efficient. Yeah, no, it was. It was great, and um, for the little amount of time that we had to prepare and everything, it was a really good little show. It really mm-hmm. worked, and they looked great on stage together. It was really good. Yeah. Well, so she she's going to be pretty busy with 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 studying School, music. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so she's going there to study a master's in music performance. Mm-hmm. In, I guess it's kind of like a world music kind of focused um, place. Yeah. Uh, well, it you know uh, it's called so a school of Orient, Oriental and African studies. So mm-hmm. it'll be all uh, music from the Orient and from Africa. So yeah. Um, she's pretty excited about it because she thinks there'll be a good chance to work with other musicians from all around the world and just yeah, know, it's see what amazing. happens. Yeah, yeah. Well, so yeah. and then and then I, well, Helen was just saying that you you might yeah. So right now, in the end of June and start of July, I already have some shows booked over there with uh, Nova Heart with Helen. Awesome. And uh, one of those is a big festival and. Uh, then some other shows around Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of all I'm going to do when I arrive. And I have a lot of contacts there, so I'll just um, you know, I'll contact everyone once I'm no like once I because I'm I'm waiting my visa application to come back. Right. So once I have that in my hand, and I know everything's good to go. Then I'm going to start contacting everyone okay, I know okay. over there and be like, hey, I'm arriving and in July I want to find some work and. How how's that work with work over there? I mean, um, if... So sh- because Brooke is going to be on a, uh, she's doing a postgraduate degree and she's on a tier four student general visa that's mm. for a full year, mm. and it's postgraduate. It means that she can bring a partner. Okay. And yeah, because uh, we're married, so I can come as a partner, and uh, I'm allowed to work. Yeah, so it's really awesome on this on this. Visa. That's amazing. Yeah, it's really good. That's um, great. Yeah, it's very understanding of them because, like, I would be going anyway, and if I wasn't able to work, then that would be a, a year of, you know, just, drain. Yeah, just drain. Yeah, I mean, we have we've got a lot of savings, but it's yeah, 
Yeah. <laughs> You'd be pretty, about a lot of yoga. That'd be gone, yeah. A year of yoga retreats. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, no, it's going to be, I think it's going to be really good because I think when we arrive there, we'll find a place and get ourselves sorted. She'll be busy studying and I don't want to be too busy. I want to be able to help her out with study a bit because mm. she'll do first, she'll do three months of English study and... Um, so I want to kind of help her out with that and make sure, sure that she's ready for the... Be a supportive husband. Yeah, she's ready for the master's. Because I've done... I did a master's here in Chinese medicine when I first arrived. Right. And I had two years of... Pretty much two years of... two More two, more than two years, two and a half years of language under my belt before that. Um, oh, okay, okay. And I still had a lot of trouble yeah with the masters so i mean yeah she's learned english for years but i mean it hasn't been that kind of way you know yeah it's, i mean yeah, it's, it's one thing to be thing, yeah. in the native environment and then also to be at a graduate level of just yeah oh yeah yeah it's like a whole other thing yeah but the, uh, the good thing about it is it's music performance so right. she doesn't have a, a main thesis at the end so it'll awesome. be a, it'll be performance-based assessment at the end so um that'll at least make it a little easier on her in that sense um yeah yeah, yeah. But I know that it'll be it'll be difficult no matter what. But uh, well, your yeah. your Chinese is really really good. How did you? Thank you. Yeah. Well, I mean, when did you get to? What was the point when you were like, okay, I think my Chinese is like gotten pretty solid. Good enough. Yeah. yeah. I mean, was um, it after? Was it was it that graduate program that made, um, made you do that? Yeah, I would say that it was probably there already. Um, so when I first came here, I stayed for half a year and studied language and mm -hmm. did some internships in hospitals. Oh, and then, before that? Yeah, so when I first arrived, <clears throat> okay. it was when I was just graduating from my undergraduate in Australia. I came here and I did some, um, like, internships in hospitals, and that's mm -hmm. when I decided I want to study some Chinese. I think you were doing, like, research. Or so, no, originally when I first arrived, I was literally only staying in China for six weeks. <laughs> yeah yeah now eight years on <laughs> um, yeah I was literally only staying six weeks and um, yeah I was planning to go travel through Southeast Asia <laughs> which is kind of this thing that I wanted to do for ages as a lot of Australians have wanted to do and have done you know I've gone to Thailand yeah, and Cambodia sure. and visited a whole bunch of temples and done a retreat somewhere and whatever <laughs> I was into that stuff a lot. Yeah, yeah. Right. I was into that stuff then, and um, yeah, and then I came here and I was doing had internship in a hospital, and I didn't understand what was going on, and I was like, <laughs> well, if someone understand, could learn some Chinese, and I, yeah. I found that I was able to kind of pick some stuff up, and I was like, this is cool, I like this. Okay. So me and another guy, we were a group of seventeen from our undergraduate course. We came and for together. that six week thing. Yeah. Okay. And then. Two of us stayed behind, and we, three of us, but two of us rented an apartment together, and uh, we started taking Chinese lessons just at night, yeah, once yeah. a day, and we put a lot of effort into that every single, that one lesson per day, and yeah. it was awesome, like, I learned a lot of uh, speaking Chinese really quickly, so then by the half year, by the time the half year was up, it was, we'd gone through the winter, so I think it was... 
February or something. And survived the winter. Yeah, we survived. <laughs> well, it was cool for us because it was kind of something that you don't experience in Australia, you know, minus five. <laughs> it was kind of novel. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. putting beers outside the window. It was cool. You don't need stuff. a refrigerator. You don't need the refrigerator. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's pretty cool. Um, yeah. We had a lot of fun, actually. And then we applied for the scholarship programmed mm. the CSC scholarship program which I don't know if C- what is it? CSC CSC stands for um, the China Scholarship Council okay and then they that's like out... the, the state the government it's Chinese government yeah, yeah, yeah Chinese government and they give out scholarships they give out a certain number to every country around the world um, to different schools around China basically to yeah yeah okay. yeah and it's not necessarily just for Chinese language so originally I, we applied for Chinese language and my friend ended up in Harbin because he was interested in going up there. And mm-hmm. I don't know, he wanted to go to Beijing. And I stayed in Beijing and he wanted more of the cold. <laughs> he wanted some ice culture. <laughs> and um, I stayed in Beijing and went to the Beijing Normal University, Beishida. And I oh, studied there for yeah. a year. Hence, right. Got so that's where I met Josh and Kate, who we mentioned before, yeah. and Alistair and a couple yeah. of people. That, did, you, yeah. did, you ever, did you know Naomi? Red hair, Australia. Maybe yeah yeah I did I did meet her I met okay, her okay. but I didn't know her well okay because at that time um, at first at Beishida I was kind of I'd already been in China for a while so I don't know I kind of had people that I knew outside of mm-hmm. the university so I didn't at the first semester I didn't spend a lot of time with people sure yeah I was kind of yeah doing my own thing and then the second term I moved into the dorms there where all the other scholarship students were. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I get to know Josh, and Josh has been a good buddy of mine for now for the last six years. He's now moved to Dali, yeah. unfortunately. <laughs> that um, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, and then uh, that got my Chinese to a pretty good level, I think. Yeah. Especially my speaking by then. Um, and then I did one. So then I did quite well in the exams, and I was the Banjiang. Banjiang, yeah, yeah. Banjiang is like the person who is the head <laughs> of the class. Basically, it was because, I mean, I wasn't old then, I was 25, but uh-huh. I was the oldest in the class. So I was like, oh, yeah, Daniel can be Banjiang. And um, anyway, so I did a good job of being Banjiang, and I did okay in my exams. So they gave me these special, outstanding. Uh, student awards. Nice. Okay. Both semesters. In a row. Yeah, in a row. So that was pretty good because okay. when then I was wanted to reapply for the scholarship to do my masters. Oh, okay. And so, so I was able like, to like scan these awesome gold medallions <laughs> and send them <laughs> off to the Chinese embassy in Sydney and be like, "Hey, I got a lot out of this year." You know. This yeah. Gold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, so. So when I applied for the masters with a scholarship, I got it. So my first, that one year at Beishadai was free. They paid for this. The scholarship paid for everything. Awesome. The med- then, this is the medallion year. Yeah, okay. and then the next four years were all paid for as well. Damn. Yeah. So I did Damn. the first five years here basically free <laughs> because <laughs> oh, I wow. because I got the scholarship and wow. um, yeah so. Uh, the Chinese Medicine University, which I went to next, it's mm-hmm. um, the Beijing Zhongyao Dashue. When I went there, I went there for the first year and I did a Chinese medicine course, mm-hmm. uh, focusing mainly on acupuncture. And that was because my Chinese language was already better than their Chinese language course was willing to offer. 
but, I, but I also didn't want to go straight into the masters because I knew that it would be too hard. Okay. So this was like literally a basics of Chinese medicine course in Chinese. Right. So it wasn't to teach you Chinese, it was to teach you Chinese medicine. Right, right. But it, because I knew the Chinese medicine part, it meant that learning it in Chinese was really helpful for me then taking the masters, which was also Chinese medicine in That's Chinese. That's awesome so, that you had the, the, the TCM yeah. like background to help you basically jump in. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it's it a was, massive, like a really helpful It helpful was really helpful. It would have been really difficult Keystone. if I hadn't. Like I remember other students, they had a lot of difficulty because you've got to memorize all the concepts and herbs and stuff. And you've got to memorize all this stuff. And they were doing it completely in a, yeah. new, a new language. So like, and I had at least memorized things. it before. Yeah, exactly. At least, at least, when you memorized it before in Australia, was it mm. in Chinese then? No, was it, was it was in English. Okay. So, you know, but at least you're talking familiar about heat and cold in the body. I mean, as far as it went, it was yin and yang and qi and stuff. That's about the only three Chinese. Yin and yang and qi. Yeah, so yin and yang. You know, yeah. Yin and yang. Well, I mean, like, okay, well. Yeah. In terms of TCM, like, mm. what's the, what's the difference between studying it in Australia and studying it here? Um, I'll be really blunt here Please. and just say it's really good studying it in Australia, and it's horrible studying it. But <laughs> <laughs> um, no, a lot of people. What's think... the difference, though? I mean, like, what what makes it? Is it just rougher here, or is it is it? I really think that in terms of the knowledge, there's not a big difference. Like the actual content? The actual stuff. content is the same. Okay. Um, but the way it's taught here is not... I mean, you know, in Australia they use Australian University teaching methods to teach it. So mm -hmm. you have, you know, an hour or two of lecture and then you have an hour or two of tutorial. Okay. Where you work in groups and you you either play out a problem that you've just talked about in, in the lecture mm -hmm. or you uh, answer questions as a group and then you present them at the end to everyone or you, you know, there's always some kind of uh, problem solving involved with the information that's yeah. just been told to you. Okay. So, the, but the way it works here is they just tell you a bunch of information and there's no, no ever, there's never any guided problem solving or further understanding of that information. It's basically just feeding you a whole bunch of information, you're expected to memorize it and remember it and know how to use it right. without ever having even practiced any of that stuff. So I found the masters here pretty boring, mm -hmm. just to be honest. The classes, you know, sometimes I'd have a class that was on some interesting piece of information, but, you know, it's just an hour, an hour and a half class and then the next week it'd be a different topic. It'd be like these sort of masters lectures sort of thing. Mm. And, uh... Yeah, so if you had something interesting, it was just kind of, it gave you a little glimpse of it, and then there was no practical involved whatsoever, unless you went to a hospital yourself and found a teacher to study with, or... Is that, is it, how's that? Do you have to... Well, that's great, but you're still not learning, you're still not, it still has nothing to do with what you learn in the class, right? Oh. So yeah, you're learning how to do Chinese medicine, but you're learning this doctor's idea, or this... It's, it's disconnected. It's still disconnected, yeah. yeah. So... Hmm. You might as well have just not taken the class and read <laughs> just, some books just, and just, just learned with the, the doctor. doctor. Yeah, yeah. seriously, it's, that's how I felt, and I was I was pretty disenchanted by the end of the masters. Only the first year's classes, and then the second and third year I did research, um, and I did a research-based masters because I was told that I wasn't able to do a 
clinical base base masters originally, but actually in the end, I I was able to. I should have been able to do it. It's just that I've been given some false information. Oh. Yeah, that it was a thing that I was annoyed about at the time, but I'm yeah. over it now. Whatever. Um, <laughs> so I did a research degree. I did a research degree. Like I I took rats and stuck them. I remember. In I remember. And, I remember when you're doing that. Like, I remember sitting out with you outside of El Nido and, like, talking, talking about, about the rats. Talking about this, right, yeah, <laughs> the poor rats, yeah, and yeah. needling their stomach 36 and stuff, yeah. <laughs> and and then and then electric, not electrocuting them as such, but, you know, we use electro, like, yeah, acupuncture. Like this, this, yeah. Well, so, has, does that apply to you now? I mean, like, what do you use, what do you take away and, like, use that in your own life? Do you use stomach 36 now? i got to say that... I used Chinese medicine heaps more before I did the degree here. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I like I don't I don't want to. No, I do want to warn people a little bit. Yeah. That uh, studying Chinese medicine here in China is really not what I thought it was going to be, mm. and it was not. Um, yeah, I just think I think it's better. You better off studying in Australia if you if you're an Australian. You might as well study in Australia. You, mm-hmm. um, you know, the concepts are explained really well there. The teachers are really good. I went to UTS University of Technology Sydney, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, the course there is really good. It's really yeah. good, and uh, you know, you're put into a clinic situation in fourth year, and you are the doctor, or you know, you are the practitioner. Mm-hmm. Not the doctor. But you're the practitioner, and the 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 patients that come, they're your patients, and you do the treatment, you do the diagnosis, you do all the question asking, you you take the pulse and all the other th- Chinese medicine related things, and then you do so the needling. You're getting the experience, basically. Yeah, instead of just constantly watching, you know, I yeah. I met so many students that did the undergraduate here that they're in fifth year and they don't, you know, in clinic they don't do anything. All they do is maybe help with doing some gua sha, which is like yeah. you're taking the spoon and scraping their back or, you know, doing some cupping or something. They never really have to do any needling. And, mm-hmm. you know, by the time I graduated in Australia, I'd already treated 120 separate patients. Wow, okay. And that was what was required to graduate. So the kids that come out of there, they're, they're confident that yeah. they can open a practice and treat someone. They feel pretty confident. Mm-hmm. I've yet to meet many people here who graduate and feel mm-hmm. confident. Yeah. You know, they're most if they do, it's because they spend a lot of time outside of school, nothing mm-hmm. to do with school, with some master somewhere that taught them for several years. And, yeah, that's pretty yeah. much the only situation that I've met here in China. So, you know, I think that China is good if you... Say, for example, if you've already done your degree in Australia and you want to come here and you want to find an awesome doctor and you want to study with him for like a year or for him him or her for and a like year. Learn his way. Yeah, and, and way like exactly, it, yeah. you know, to follow a, a tradition, I suppose, or a way of thinking or a, it, I think is a great idea. But to come and do a degree here, it's just like, it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty long, painful experience for not a lot of... Yeah. Um, for not getting a lot of information and good um, experience out of it. Well, unfortunately, did, really unfortunately. I mean, one of the key things I have to say that you, I feel like one of the, I'm super grateful that you 
uh, bestowed upon me in in life. Uh, which maybe I don't know if you're aware of this, but you know the Chen Zhuang, remember? Oh right, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know how you met that guy who was yeah. doing that in the park. What was that your town park? Uh, no, that was uh, uh, Tentan. Tentan, Tentan, yeah. Tentan. Uh, yeah that, sure. Those classes, I didn't, I didn't take it that long because I ended up getting really busy with a new job. Yeah. At that point. But um, the few classes that I did have with that guy, basic, yeah. what was his name again? Sun Lao Sun Lao right. Um, Sun Xiangyong. Sun Xiangyong. Um, mm. That completely changed how I felt about my spine and like how I held myself. In right. Life. Um, and I still try and do it, like, when I have an hour to right. stand. Yeah. <laughs> Stare at the wall. <laughs> um, yeah, he was amazing. Yeah, he's a Kung Fu teacher. He was amazing. He's really awesome. I, I don't train anymore. Uh-huh. Um, do, you just... think you'll, do you think you'll get back into it when you go back to London? Um, when I go to London... Um... Or TCM, for that matter. No, I wouldn't go back to TCM. It's pretty much done for me. It's yeah. been... It's done. <laughs> it's um, done. But wait, John uh, John, maybe? Or? Um, yeah, Kung Fu. Others. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't know anyone over there, although I'm sure he has, like, people that he knows maybe mm-hmm. over there that I could talk to. But um, I just don't... Now, with my work, because, you know, about two years ago, when I was um, nearing graduation for the Masters... You know, I'd been working in lighting the whole time during the Masters as mm-hmm. well. And then it was getting to a point where I was just working all the time. Um, and because I was finding the Masters so boring, I, you know, I just kept working all the time. And, and at yeah. some point I realized more that I was into doing the lighting. Um, more than the... Yeah, concerts and stuff. And yeah, so um, from that, all of that experience, I think, you know, that's the way it's going to be uh, from now on you know yeah. i don't think can't see myself anytime soon going back to tcm in sure. anything beyond like a very you know mild interest it's yeah. just i'm pretty set now like oh, yeah. i'm doing lighting design as a career how did you get into that i mean you're saying you you started doing it while and it started sort of built up but yeah so like, i did well, it student theater before i even started studying university i did it when i was in okay. high school yeah and then when brother. you came over here you just started and uh yeah and i kept doing it on your lap or uh no so yeah as as i said before i'd done a lot of it in australia and by mm. the time i was leaving by the time i came here from australia I was doing quite well in Australia, not in a really big for sense. For lighting? Yeah, right. for lighting. Oh, so you already yeah. kind of had some... Yeah, so when I was doing my undergraduate, that was my um, income. I see. Yeah, that was my right, way right. of paying rent and all that sort of okay. stuff, was doing lighting. At, I was doing theatre tech work, bump in, bump, in, bump outs, uh, you know, representing the theatre there with the fine uh-huh. and, oh, don't touch that or make sure that you, <laughs> you know, don't obstruct the fire exits and, okay. you know, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and also then doing some uh, work in live... Uh, live entertainment venues like oh. yeah, like I said the Roundhouse I worked a few a uh, bunch of gigs at the the Annandale and uh, even Home Nightclub which is a big nightclub in Sydney I worked at a whole bunch of places doing lighting um, so then when I came here first year I didn't do anything to do with lighting again just because I had originally planned to travel for a year right so right, I was right. kind of like yeah. still in travel mode um, I wasn't really sure what was happening, but then once I'd got the scholarship to stay here and do the Chinese language, first mm-hmm. off, um, I went out one night, and as you know, I was into the Ma Hotin, right, yeah, which yeah. is uh, Mongolian music. Um, one night I went to see a, you know, 
a friend of mine that is he's a Mong, you know, Mongolian guy who plays in one of these Mongolian bands, and he. Is uh, no, 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 no. It's they're not from one of these more famous modern bands. They do more like traditional, you know, oh, okay. music. So, okay. yeah. Um, and uh, he had a show at Tango, third floor Tango. Okay. Sing Yeah, yeah. Uh, Star Live was what it was called back then. Right, uh, right. Two thousand and eight. And uh, so. So it's pretty old that. Yeah, that place has been there for a really long time. Yeah, yeah. and uh, so after the show, I went up to the sound guy after the show, and I said, "Look, I'm Australian. I'm a lighting guy. If you ever need a foreigner, or if you need, or if you want to have, you know, just whatever, just mm-hmm. call me." And um, then I walked out of the place. It's a ten thirty at night. They called me at about ten fifty, literally <laughs> like twenty minutes after walking out the door, and they were like, "Oh, come in and hang out tomorrow afternoon." So I came in. That's and awesome met the manager and you know we talked about stuff and I ended up I think I did oh yeah and then I got my first music show there uh was do who was that doing who was that I can't remember but I think there was I don't know if Ghostface Killer was the first <laughs> band I did here so, or the first, you know, guy, the performance I did here or not, but I, okay. but it was probably the second and it was with Splitworks. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. They would have so, been pretty new at that point, right? Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty new. So Nathaniel, um, died away in the, right. was, uh, he's they started one of the, them, one so of the main guys at Splitworks, one of the guys who organized and stuff. Mm. Um, he, yeah, got me to come and that was via Star Live, the manager there introduced me to them to, to okay. Daniel and then he got me to come and I think it was maybe Ghostface Killer 2008 or 2009 in Beijing at Star Live mm. so that was pretty cool because I'd listened to pr- plenty of um, Wu-Tang Clan really uh, okay. oh yeah when Sweet. I was like okay, so were, 14, were you 15 like, you I was like, like oh, wow. old, you were super yeah tech. and it was really <laughs> awesome because uh, yeah there was uh the Jizzer was there as well. He'd come with uh, Ghostface Killer. And, um, yeah. And, and anyway, there were some funny things that happened on site before the show that uh, that stick in my mind. And, uh, yeah, anyway, it was a good show. And <laughs> I, except that in the end, Nathaniel, uh, like, almost got beat up after the show by them. But, um, <clears throat> because, oh. of whatever. But, I don't know. You know how it is. You know how it is with these... Uh, Awesome big, big time rappers. Personalities, personalities. So yeah, and that <laughs> and was the first it. show here. So, that so that's did, basically was, turned think, into you being like the art. It seems like you're a go-to light guy, pretty much in China at this point. Um, right? For music stuff, definitely. For festivals um, and shows. And but then along the way, I met another guy that Nathaniel works with regularly, Simon Leeds, who's an awesome lighting guy, really awesome lighting guy, also wow. Australian. A lot of experience. Okay. Uh, he's worked in a lot of really great theatres in Australia and he's toured with some mm. really big names around the world and he owns a lighting company here now in Beijing so I've done a lot of work with him as well and okay. through that I've met other people and I don't know, like I, because I I got into speaking Chinese really quickly right? so I've got into this Chinese scene, Chinese music scene pretty well. Well, he has um, a massive advantage to be able to 
yeah, speak it yeah, so if well. If I couldn't, then there'd be no way in, basically. Well, and, you, and you read and write really well, right? Um, I read, and now I type fine, but <laughs> I used to be able to write pretty well by yeah, yeah. hand when I was doing my exams and stuff right, and right. masters. But uh, eventually I, you know, I, I gave up the writing. Like, now I can still write lots of basic characters but to. if I needed to but I'd probably have to be looking at my phone phone all the time because right, I can't right, quite right. remember exactly where the yeah. pinion yeah yeah so pinions. keyboards yeah, 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 yeah. Down yeah. Far, yeah yeah so yeah and then I yeah so I did I met then Jack um, from MIDI who's the technical director for MIDI and sound guy mm-hmm. and um, then he got me to do a couple of shows and ended up doing MIDI and through MIDI I met a lot of bands pretty quickly uh-huh. Because, uh, you know, a lot of the, especially a few years back, MIDI was still really strong. I mean, it's still strong now, but it was even stronger then, I think. And, yeah. Um, you know, a lot of the bands, they, I think it's been an interesting time because most Chinese bands have never even really thought about having Lighting Guy really until these last few years. Mm-hmm. I mean, I came kind of at a good time where technology was changing and China's, desire to put on really big and amazing shows was changing and becoming more mm-hmm. going on and um so I, I ended up doing you know a lot of bands that are pretty famous here yeah pretty early on pretty quickly just because um i think because i was there i was doing it and i was really into the whole rock and roll thing i mm-hmm. mean previously most of the guys that had done the festival lighting were just guys that work for the lighting companies and they just basically like right. turned, turned on all the lights and That's made, like a, made them still the change sound. colors like yeah, exactly. constantly going through the rainbow <laughs> yeah no yeah so it was kind of a different i came with a little bit of a not that i was yeah really good at the time or anything i was just a you know like an average lighting guy you know i'd been doing it for a few years and mm. could do could do a show and you know and i just uh but i I've listened to rock music all my life and so it's it would just became you know just people would be able to notice that in the yeah. lighting and the control and everything so um, like a sensitivity to it kind yeah of to like, the actual yeah. music and what's going on the stage so so yeah I think things happened there pretty quickly um yeah and then I yeah, started working with some bands and, and now I tour with Secondhand Rose and I do all of their shows and they're probably one of the most visually visually exciting bands Seriously, in China yeah. in just be not nothing to do with me as you know yeah, just, just because they like wear dresses like, and yeah, stuff yeah. On, well not dresses they wear like you know chipawas made of northeast China um, huabu you know like the flower patterned right right yeah so the big the green and red and green flower pattern uh-huh. um, cloth and stuff is a really big thing for them so their whole outfits and everything is always really um, over the top and always have this uh, these elements of the the northeastern China Bombay yeah. elements in it. Um, so well, as soon as I did the I did, as soon as I had a chance to do the first show with them, which was also at Star Live. Whoa. So it was the first time I did the Bring show with them. I think it was their twelve year anniversary or something. Mm. Mm. So this is two thousand and twelve. 2012 in December. Yeah, I you know I remember when I was in college mm. studying Chinese music. Uh, and trying at that point like the chinese music on the internet was like was scant you know yeah. trying to learn about the beijing music scene was yeah. really difficult uh 
I, there, somehow, my school in its music library had the Rough Guide to China okay. uh, album from 2000 and early 2000s. Okay. And then it had a, a Beijing Bands album okay. um, 2000, maybe from 2001. And that had secondhand rows. It oh, had, right. Like, okay. It was a compilation that had Hang yeah. on the Box, like right. Yellow okay. Banana, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it had uh, Xiao Ge. Okay. Like Glorious Pharmacy and stuff. Yeah. And um, it was, and it had Wild Children. Yeah, uh, Haizu. Um, um, oh, too. right. Okay. Yeah. And so that, that mix was like, oh, shit. Okay. So uh, Beijing's music scene is pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, and diversified. Yeah. And now there's all these awesome websites about it. So yeah, you can, right. like, it's so easy to find. Right. Uh, that's like why I moved here. It's because of the music scene. is so awesome. Right. Okay. And like yeah, bands yeah, like yeah, Secondhand sure. Rose. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Really interesting bands. Really, um, really interesting. And if you have some understanding of the Chinese culture, then it yeah. become even more interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so, uh, if you... Let's say uh, you are you are meeting a person who's not even here yet, and is like, ah, oh, I want to come to China and like get into the music scene here, do lighting, do production, do something. Like, what would you tell that person about what to expect or, like, what to... Um, learn Chinese. One. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yes. Right. Two. One. <laughs> is, uh, learn to drink. Oh. Yeah. Mm. It helps to be able to drink a bit. Um, yeah. And the third is just... Yeah, just come and have fun and look for opportunities where they come up and, yeah. Just go up to the sound. Just go for it, like, yeah. Like, hey, I do this. Very yeah. cool, <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's pretty much all you can do. I mean, it's different now. I mean, I think it's easier to come here and get work and kind of, uh, it's easier now. It's, it's more accessible, I think. Yeah, for... For people for starting people out or like just people who do it abroad but want to do it here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. People who do it abroad but want to do it here. I mean, if you don't have any lighting basics, then, you know, I would suggest that you don't learn those things first. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, otherwise, no, because if you learn here, then you might not, you know, you can pick up a lot of bad habits, which I've done anyway. Mm. Um, like what? I don't know, just the way, like, dealing with, how to deal with things on site, uh, how to, you know, the, the way people communicate here is not necessarily always the most professional, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, yeah, I think that change, like, that kind of environment changes you over time. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so... I don't know, that's why I'm looking forward to going to London and England and working over there and, and in Europe and stuff as well, is that, uh... It'll it'll bring me back into a pretty um, very professional environment that requires me right. to act in a certain way, and and that won't be a problem at all. Um, won't that be kind of be closer good. to the edge of what's like the newest stuff too? In terms yeah, of exactly. Well? Yeah, like yeah. Because here you're always behind the curve in terms of technology, mm-hmm. uh, because no one here is willing to pay for the real stuff. Right. Like, so if, mm. you know, Claypack, you know, Italian lighting company uh, makes the latest light that is awesome, um, you know, you, you have to wait a year or two before they're making good copies here. 
mm-hmm. before you're able to use them on your show here because if, especially if you're doing rock or electronic mm-hmm. music like like I am maybe if you're doing high end you know government productions or mm-hmm. you know if you're working on a Porsche show or on a on a show for one of the Mercedes or something then you mm-hmm. might be able to get a hold of these lights and use them because they have the budget um but otherwise, no. So, you know, looking at all the amazing shows that happen overseas uh, and, uh, you know, drooling over what they've got to play with and um, where they're able to go with it is, is really cool. Um, but it's also kind of uh, sad because you want to be able to do something, you know, you want to do, be able to do something big here, but it's, it provides a different challenge because, you know, mm. you always have to try and make something new and creative with the older technology or with stuff that's yeah. equipment that's already been being used for a whole bunch of years. So, hmm. you know, that's a different challenge and that's interesting. And Yeah. Hmm. But I am looking forward to working over there. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and being able to, because all of that stuff, that, that gap hmm. is getting smaller and smaller all the time. Which, the, you mean the, the gap delay between, kind of like... yeah, is in technology and hmm. uh, the way it's used and, all of that is, all of those gaps are closing, mm. you know, all the time. So I would say in a few years, maybe in five years, I mean, there's not going to be a large difference yeah. between what's being used. I mean, still here, it's always going to be crappier Chinese brands and versions of stuff over there, but the time difference between when you're going to be able to use them is probably going to be a lot less. And no, okay. So yeah, I mean, if, if Brooke and I are in London for a few years or anywhere else and then come back there's there's no never going to be any harm done you know I, yeah exactly. i come back and i just have more to give mm-hmm. yeah that's awesome mm. cool well daniel thank you so much my pleasure for joining me on the china arts podcast which my is pleasure. what it's called yeah. i just realized i never told you what thank it's you. called <laughs> <laughs> that's all right you didn't anyway. need to you could have got away with Many thanks to Daniel Richardson for joining me today, and best of luck to him to his new wife Brooke, Li Muqi, as they start their new lives in London. I do plan to come to London once they're settled and sleep on their floor. Thanks for listening. See you next time. <laughs>